and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith. This is Words and Pictures podcast number 61. This week, my guest is Jane Johnson. Jane is an experienced editor in her own right, and she's also a writer. And she'll be telling us all about her new book and her many travels. So stick around for the interview section. So at my desk this week, well, at my desk this week, as usual, I've been pretty busy. I've been feeling really, really tired, actually, because having launched my, my new book, The Midwitch, obviously I've been really focusing on the marketing and I'm finding it really hard to get on with actually writing book two, which I have nearly finished. But, um, you know, the marketing still keeps kind of beating at your door. You kind of feel like you need to get on with it. Um, and obviously the whole thing about the indie author publishing game is, you know, if you, if you're exclusive to Amazon the first month, you know, the first couple of months, you know, it's really crucial to your success on that platform. And I'm very aware with this. So I'm very, you know, I'm, you know, plugging away with my stuff and I'm, you know, on the social media and doing the bits and pieces. And, um, so far I have to say it's going quite well. Um, as I record this, my book, The Midwitch, is in uh, for the, the category women's fantasy fiction. It's actually number 16 on the page, which is great because I'm kind of on the first page and I'm, you know, getting getting a little bit of traction there with Amazon. So I've decided that I need to start running Amazon ads. Now, I have done Amazon ads before, although where I've kind of mm, not kind of so bothered about my dark fiction anymore, my dark fantasy I'm kind of, you know, put that up on Kobo now and I'm kind of, you know, leaving that on another platform. So I haven't run any Amazon ads for a couple of, for a year or so. So I've kind of gone back into it to have another go and I'm hoping that I can kind of get a bit more traction on it and kind of push this on a little bit further. So I've gone into the Amazon ads and uh, it is, oh, I wish I could say that it's, you know, really good fun and I love it because, you know, it would be so nice. But of course, it's not creative. I'm not very good at maths. That's putting it mildly. I'm not really an analytical kind of person. I don't really like graphs and that kind of thing. And the trouble with the whole Amazon ads thing, it, it has no creative aspect to it. Unlike the Facebook ads where you get to make a little, you know, a little card thing a little you know advert to put up and you kind of feel that that's making a difference but with the amazon ads it's you know it's literally you know you're just filling in a grid and trying to think what it all means and it's it's complex you know for somebody who's not mathematical or you know in into all that kind of thing particularly it is a lot to do now i have tried to persuade my husband to take on the amazon ads but he's really not having it which is a big shame um because I think he'd be really good at it because he has got much more of that kind of mind than I have. Anyway, it's down to me, as it is to all indie authors, to just get on with it. And I know people do outsource some of this stuff, but it does seem like just one more expense that you could do without. And really, the, the ads cost enough as it is without having to also pay somebody. Anyway, so I'm getting on with it. And um, I've got a couple of ads running now. And I'm hoping that, you know, they're going to they're gonna work and you know, do wonders, watch this space. I'll let you know next week um, how they did. Uh, so yeah, I think, mm, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a really tricky thing um, to, to get right. And as anybody knows, it's any, ever run Amazon ads. You think, oh, you know, I'm going to put this amount of money up, you know, to be spent each day and where the Amazon will actually serve those ads and actually spend the money is, is another thing entirely because it really is a difficult beast to get right. Anyway, uh, what have I done to learn about it? Well, I've done all the Mark Dawson courses and all that kind of thing. Um, I've also done the free thing that's on um, Kindlepreneur. Um, there's, a, there's a free Amazon ads course on there, which is 
fairly useful. Um, and I think the trouble with these things is, you know, it changes all the time. You know, you can kind of learn it, but then when you come to do it, it kind of feels a bit different. The interface is slightly different from what they showed you on the whatever thing you were learning on. And um, what I'm finding is quite helpful at the moment is I'm reading Amazon Ads for Authors, which is by Ricardo Fayette or Fayette, Fayette. And he's the Reedsy guy. And I, I believe, although I'm not entirely sure, but I think this book is free as an ebook on on Amazon. Um, funnily enough, um, I actually have a hard copy here that I picked up, picked up at um, Mark Torson's um, self-publishing live show in London. And I've been reading these um, only because I sort of picked them up, thought I'll have a look. But actually, they're very readable. I mean, it's a dry old subject. I mean, let's face it. But I think if you kind of try and give yourself sort of 20 minutes a day, half an hour to just sort of plough through these books, you know, you do you do learn something. and It does kind of consolidate the information a little bit. I don't know whether it would be good if you were just starting out, whether whether you could actually learn it from scratch. Obviously, you know, there's lots of people with a bigger brain than me um, that are listening to this. Um, but, you know, have a, you know, have, have a good look at those books. They're, they're well worth it. I've, I've read the, uh, the other one, which is called How to Market a Book, also by Reedsy, the Ricardo Fayette guy. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. Anyway, so whether they're going to work or not, I don't know. I mean, you know, I wouldn't hold my breath, but I'm having a go. And what else can you do but have a go? Right. Okay. So come and meet Jane Johnson. She's a fascinating person. And, um, yeah. On the Words and Pictures podcast this week, my guest is Jane Johnson. She writes historical fiction set in Cornwall and Morocco, and she also she's also a multi-genre author, more of which later. So, Jane, having sort of seen you on social media holding a tomato saying, I, I've got a book out, but look, I've grown this tomato. I thought, well, she looks fun. I'll just ask her on the podcast because this is what I do. I just, jump, I just jump right in. Turns out you're actually quite famous. So I'm really pleased you're here. <laughs> Although I don't run the podcast on any, I just, I'm interested in everybody who's in the book business. It's all great. So well done on the tomato. It looked a really nice one. <laughs> but also, you know, if you'd like to tell me more about the tomato, you can, but Tell us about your new book, The Black. <laughs> your latest book is The Black Crescent with that lovely cover. Yeah, no, The Black Crescent is um, the sort of culmination of my 18 years of living on and off in Morocco. So uh, I didn't feel this was a book I could have tackled any earlier than this. It's um, set in 1955 in Morocco um, and starts off in the mountain village where my husband and I live on and off for the 18 years. Um, but then it transfers to Casablanca, where the protagonist of, of the book, Hamu Bardi, who is just this lovely young man um, from this rural village, is catapulted into the midst of, of the nationalist uprising in Casablanca. He's gone there because uh, he has lost his father quite early in, in life and he is providing for the whole of his family. So he's under a moral bind to start with to work for the French. It's the only way to make any money. Um, and he's a clever boy and uh, he gets through college and he trains as a policeman. So at some point during uh, this novel, he is going to find himself uh, caught between his own people um, and the French regime uh, who have paid him, uniformed him and armed him. Uh, to put down riot and insurrection. And of course, with Morocco fighting for its life, fighting for its independence, 
and the return of its sultan, whom the French had exiled to Madagascar, of all places. Um, it's, uh, it's a politically uh, turbulent time, and Hamu's caught right in the middle of it all. And he also doesn't know um, about his, his downstairs neighbours keep seducing him with lovely food, which they leave outside his door. And he's really not quite sure of what their motives are for this. They have a very attractive daughter, um, but his mother has warned him very heavily against getting involved with any Arab women, my son, <laughs> because she has designs on setting him up with a Berber wife back home. So poor old Hammer, who's beset on all sides. And I hope the uh, the reader will stand there with him and go, well, well what would I do in this situation? Um, yeah. and, and I hope there's also lots of funny bits in it and there's lots of food because I love food and I love Morocco. So I hope it's redolent of, of the country. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. I, I really, really like the book cover. Um, what, why do you think, although I do think, you know, as we write, that, that we tend to write the book that we're ready to write at any given time, but would you, what would you say makes it specifically that you wrote this book at this time? What, you know, is it is it because you've had more experience of Morocco as you live there and, you know, or, or you, are you more... Um, uh, are you? Have you learnt more about the history of it, or what, what is it that gives it this book at this moment? I think when you're writing modern politics um, within living memory, you have mm. to tread incredibly carefully. You know, there are still people who lived through this period, and you have to honour their experience and and just do your research. Incred- I mean, I always do my research incredibly carefully. I'm, I'm known for doing mountains and mountains of research before I start my writing. Um, But with this one, I think because it's more modern and because the nuances are still with us um, and because it's so applicable to any country at any time now in that any any country that is feeling oppressed, any people that are oppressed and and, uh, in the throes of, of what could be revolution, uh, you have to you have to tread very carefully, I think, and you you really do have to know what you're talking about and uh, and and talk to the people who were involved and and try to find out as much as you can about people's attitudes and and the nuances because I think nuance is absolutely the key to historical fiction because mm, uh, it makes it real, then doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, nothing is simple ever in life. Mm. Um, I, 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 I don't enjoy books that are too simple. Yeah. So did, do you, did you find you were able to talk to a lot of people and get some first-hand knowledge of that? Or, or did you um, mostly do your research kind of, you know, through through the written word? I did a certain amount of uh, second-hand research because most of these people don't speak English or French. Uh, yeah, yeah. So actually I, I was very much dependent on, on my husband for for you know, really delving into the archive as well, and to some a very, very committed uh, American academic who had actually interviewed at first hand women who were involved in the Moroccan ex- resistance, mm. and stories were just phenomenal. So I know I very much depended on them, but to a large extent, it's very much my experience of the country that that's come into this book, and and you know, I know Casablanca, and I know the mountain region that Hamu comes from really well. 
Um, and obviously, my husband is, is Moroccan and has worked in Casablanca for 10 years and he comes from that mountain village. So between us, and it really was very much a collaboration, this book, which I've never been able to say before of any of my historical novels. Um, you know, we, we've brought everything we know and experience to it. Yeah. So, so it's been a real labour of love. How long does it take me to write it? Less than a year. Oh, right. Which is yeah. unusual yeah. for me. Yeah. Usually it's a full year of, um, of at least a year of re- research and then another year of writing. But I think the difference was this time because I was um, talking to Abdul about it all the time and we were running scenes. I was running scenes past him and then going away and writing it and then reading it to him when I'd, when I'd written the scene or the chapter. Getting immediate feedback is just mm. a fantastic for a writer you know you feel you've got an audience you know and it when you're writing normally you know it's such a lonely uh, thing isn't it yeah it is very lonely but it's also the 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 idea of an audience is still quite a a far away thing (laughs) yeah you you, usually you you write it all on your own and you send it off to your editor and then you wait and wait and wait to hear what they're going to think about it but I think when with this one because I was Abdul was waiting for the next instalment and and that spurs you on you think oh somebody wants to know what happens (laughs) and and it was it was fantastic and it really kept me in the book as well which is a hard thing because as you know I'm a publishing editor as well Um, and uh, that takes up my whole week um, and more so actually I only ever get to write at weekends and it's uh, that is tough to hold a book in your head when when you are working with other people's text all the time. Yeah, I um, can imagine. Yeah. So it's really really difficult to clear your head enough to get back into into your fiction but when you're talking to your other half about it every day <laughs> it keeps it alive for you in a way that none of the other books I've been able to do that with. So Yeah, that's interesting. So he's obviously been really encouraging and really wanted you to tell this story and and yeah. and had a real a real thing and I think I think that's brilliant because quite often you finish a book and and then you know like you say then somebody said but you've you've taken the whole thing on yourself but to to have that that kind of input on the way is is you know changed your journey somewhat do you think you'll do this again I'd love to know I'd love to write another Hamu book he's my favorite character so far and yeah. he's been right and I just think there are so many stories to tell. So I'd, I'd love to, but obviously I'm in the hands of my publishers and, <laughs> you know, they will tell me whether they want another one or not. Uh, well, I'm, I'm an indie author, so I'd say, you know, <laughs> you know I'm not even going to say it to you, but I'm going to say just publish it anyway. But uh, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other podcast, Jane. <laughs> I just don't have do all that no this is this is the trouble yes you've got to be your 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 own you've got to know a lot of stuff full-time job it is to be a public you have to to devote yourself to it It it's such hard yeah there's there's a lot to know now I just wanted to ask you this um so so you you're publishing under quite a few different pen names um how how do you juggle so many pen names because you're writing under different genres under different pen names so I only write as Jane Johnson. Those are old pen names. Oh, those are old ones. Yeah. Way, way when um, Gabriel King was when I was writing with M. John Harrison. So that's 20 odd years ago. Um, And Jude Fisher was was when I was Tolkien publisher and couldn't write as Jane Johnson because it was a conflict of interest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But so 
only Jane Johnson for the last uh, oh how many years since two thousand and seven. Something yeah. Like that. Okay. So, so that's that's your thing. So you don't worry about those. They're just your backlist, and and that's all very nice to have. But, but yeah. So, so you feel very much Jane Johnson now, and, and that's 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 where you are. Yeah. Nice. Um. So you don't think you're going to write um any other children's books or any other things? Do you think you're going to swap genres out of the historical fiction thing? Or do you I mean, you, I never say nice. never, but I think I found my feet particularly with with historical fiction. I've I've enjoyed yeah. it. It's what I love to read. Um, yeah. And I've just really finding Morocco as a subject matter has been um, an absolute gift. I've I've just loved finding out about its history and people so much. And then, of course, coming back down to living Cornwall has um, has given me Cornwall back as well. You know, it's yeah. my it's my county. It's where I was born and raised, and um, and I've loved writing about that. So actually, sort of, I I tend to do one Cornish book, one one Moroccan or at least foreign book um yeah we'll see what happens the next one is a cornish novel so yeah do yeah. you think you'll do you'll do something where the where the where the protagonist is like yourself where you, where they they've got a foot in both camps in the cornish, oh, I've done cornish. You, you've done that already <laughs> <laughs> already done that's, that's a good that's that. i'm that's glad you picked that off but <laughs> but you know that's that's the easy thing that's why i say you know it took me this long to be able to go right into a moroccan character and write solely from their point of view. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you think um, it's it's tricky? Do you, do you generally write from a male point of view or a female point of view, or a bit of both? Either. I'm, Either. I've, I've all sorts of um, all sorts of protagonists. I don't find it difficult writing from anyone's point of view. Really, I think the act of writing is in itself uh, an act of empathy, and yeah. uh, I I just feel that as long as you do it well and and you honor your protagonist and your subject matter nobody should be banned from writing anything so um now i i i enjoy writing male characters i've i've spent a lot of time um well climbing with men <laughs> yeah you know, i've i climbed almost exclusively with with men for 20 years so you know i'm comfortable in male company um and I just think people are people when it comes down to it. And the same goes for cultures as well. People are people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's wise, wise words, I think. Yeah. I, I think I wouldn't, you wouldn't find me on a mountain. I don't like heights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not keen at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so have you always been a climber? It was was climbing something that you've, that you've always done or, or did that kind of come um, when I've you were done in Morocco. it. Middle twenties. No, no, I've been climbing for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Long, long. Um, and I really hated it to start with. <laughs> it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and you know, and there are climbs that I can remember, even you know, forty years. Well, yeah, almost forty years on, where where I can remember the the terror that I felt at a certain moment on a certain climb, and actually crying, you know, once. Yeah. <laughs> crux of something thinking oh my god there's no gear <laughs> and I don't and it's a long way down to my last piece and I don't know how I'm going to finish this but um I don't know I also remember you know being up uh, high on a ledge and and be laid safely and looking down on the backs of seagulls and thinking this is just unbelievable uh, it's just so beautiful looking out at the sea from from a vantage point that nobody usually gets it's just uh, glorious yeah, absolutely lovely. And and I think um do you think you that 
you need that kind of physical challenge is do you think that is is that you know because I think a lot of our lives we live quite I mean hopefully many of us live quite safe lives and and you know we we go about our daily business and sometimes when you're writing you know if you're putting your character into jeopardy you're thinking you know you're having to imagine what Mm. that real jeopardy would be like what it would be like to be truly frightened and hopefully a lot of people that write you know like myself never really experienced anything terribly but do you think you know if you felt a bit scared on a on something like that or you face that physical challenge it must inform your writing quite a lot to to be able to bring that out into the prose I think I tell you what it does is that it I've written a lot of battle scenes during various of my books you know obviously Crusades book and, and with the Fall of Granada book in particular um and what it does is it 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 gives you a very clear understanding of that moment of crystalline thought mm. which where things become incredibly clear even though they're in the middle of chaos mm. um, so that's that's a really good thing I, I mean obviously writing and editing is a very sedentary job so you need to do something physical mm. <laughs> it's, it's crucial for me climbing was a release of stress um, in the when I was climbing, I just couldn't think about anything else. You know, no, so office, no. office battles and, and difficulties and and you know the stresses of too much work. It just goes away when you're hanging through your fingertips and you think, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't be thinking about the next this edit, which is such a problem at the moment because I actually have to save my own life here. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's I think that's good. I think we all need something that get, that gives you some something that frees your mind i i don't do anything nearly so exciting but i i have a whip it and we walk and we, i live right on the sea well, as well and and i just find that just i i'm just away with the fairies i'm just thinking about what i'm writing or i'm not i'm just not thinking i'm just there in the moment you know and i think i think that's good is the crucial thing don't you i think just sort of i i being out in nature being outside i think is is really key it's i think I mean, I think probably chemicals are probably very important for us. You know, we're we're just sort of bags of chemicals when it comes down to it. And you need to get out there and 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 breathe in all those all those good things out there apart from anything else. But uh, but also, you know, you've got to get a sense of perspective. It's so easy to find the world weighing in on you when you're in your own little space and 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 feeling that you're filling that space and and your thoughts are filling that space so getting out into something much bigger than yourself um with the big old sky and big old trees and the sea or whatever out there i i just think that gives you a sense of perspective yeah yeah i think you're right and and i think i think it's exactly right i think we'd have a have a thing where we we're very much indoors you know as a you know human beings and we're indoors far too much we never would have been you know we would have been walking much more than we would have been out doing more physical things and uh, and I think the writer you know like you say we're, we're very much tied to our desks and we're sort of stuck there so I think if you can get out there it's all it's all good you know for your health but not just your health as a as a physical thing but I think it's a, a mental a mental health thing you know it clears your head um so I'm going to ask you this are you a disciplined writer um Jane or are you a bit ad hoc are you do you know do you, do you write you know from the beginning to the end do, do you make a plan or are you just how does it go what, um, does, it, what, does, it, what does it look like for you spend <laughs> in so much as I only have a couple of days a week in which yeah. to write but that probably um, focuses the mind quite well actually yeah 
does. Although, you know, it can take a day to clear my mind of, of the week's work. And that, yeah. that's quite difficult. So that leaves you, you know, maybe only with a day and a half. <laughs> so I'm disciplined in, in as much as that is. And of course, you know, like most writers, I feel a tremendous sense of guilt if I'm not writing. Mm. <laughs> but that can be a block in itself. That's, <laughs> that's very difficult. Um, I'm not a... Yeah, I know George R. R. Martin refers to gardeners and architects. Um, oh. I'm not. I'm not an architect, and I, I. I am a gardener, but I have to know my end point. So I need to know where the story is going before I start out on it. I need to know what that end point is because I, I am a writer who always holds a trick up their sleeve um, to to whip out with a flourish at the end. <laughs> yeah. So that. I always have to have that in the back of my mind and to know that I'm going to surprise my readers with with this revelation at some point. But how I get there is, uh, oh, no, that's I uh, can't control that one. Um, no. Obviously, you're writing history. You have a certain framework of historical fact that sort of holds you in a certain um, discipline. Uh, but, you know, as with everything, that can be a plus and a minus, you know, that can trammel your imagination um, or it can spur you on. Um, I always try to be truthful in terms of the history as much as, much as I can. Um, and when I stray, I always mention so in the author note. Um, but no, I'm, I'm very much... Uh, I, I use dreams, I use uh, flashes of inspiration, I use conversations with other people to spur me on, and I write outdoors. That's oh, really? Other... Dear, how do you manage that then? I mean, I it's take... pouring with rain here as I've just sent my husband out with the dog to the, so I can have a bit of peace, you know. And um, uh, yeah. so, so have you got like a, an outdoor space? I mean, how outdoors is outdoors? I mean, are we talking a shed at the bottom of the garden or are we no, talking like, garden. you know? <laughs> I have no garden. What I do have is an allotment about a mile and a bit away. Um, and I will often wrap myself up in a coat and take a thermos in the winter and go and sit up there on a bench and, and write. Um, and if it rains, I'll go and hunker down in the greenhouse. <laughs> really? That's brilliant. I love that. I, what? And do you write longhand or do you first draft? Or you don't, oh, first, I can't. I'm dyslexic. First, There's no longhand here. This, you couldn't <laughs> even read my notes. It's like completely blur. I can read it a bit, but it's, you know. Well, I can't long-term. type. Oh, how my funny. That's brilliant. I love you. <laughs> you can't type and I can't write. We should get together, mate. thing <laughs> is terrible because my parents gave me one of those little tiny sort of plastic typewriters when I when I was about seven. And I loved it. And I would tap away, just pecking away with, with yeah. my four. Um, and I still I still type like that. <laughs> and I think I still have a sort of numinous keyboard of that that eight-year-old typewriter in my head. So I make a lot of errors when I'm typing. So it gets in the way of actually creating. Um, whereas when I'm writing longhand, I write fast and I'm used to writing longhand. I like yeah. I like. Um, and I can take it anywhere I am. So I often, you know, I, when I'm traveling, I always, I take a notebook with me. I'll travel, I'll write on buses, I'll write on planes, I'll write in stations, whatever. Um, so it's, um, it feels, it's freeing for me to be able to do that. And then I will type it up. Um, when, a, when a chapter is finished in draft in longhand, I will then type it up. And that's when it gets um, a really good sharpening and honing and, and refocusing. 
Um, yeah. And that, for me, that's a really useful discipline because obviously as a professional editor, I like editing, <laughs> even my own stuff. And I can be quite a ruthless editor when it comes yeah, to Yeah, get your editing head on and chop Absolutely. it all back. Yes, it's, exactly. a, it's a different skill, you know. I think I, I can't do that while I'm actually creating. I think it's a different yeah. part of the brain that is engaged at that point. So, yeah. so separating it into two different processes like that works very well for me. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I I write. I write. Well, I obviously write on the computer because I can't really write on without the computer. So, I, I write on the computer. But then, it's very it's very messy. It's it's you know I I miss spaces. I don't have any link words. Um, obviously, nothing is spelt correctly. I get the right letters in the words, but they're all mangled up in the middle. <laughs> and it's you know, and it's just covered in red. But I just switch off all the pro writing and everything, and I just write. Yeah, and then and then Very when I, and then every couple of days I come back and I just go over what I've written for the last couple of days and yeah. sort it out. I'm not really editing; I'm just making it legible. And then yeah. at the end, I come back and then I get my editor's head on, and then I sort it out. Well, that's but, quite a process, then, isn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not dis, it's not dissimilar. And I think you need to let your creative mind just do that creative thing without being interrupted by some. I mean, obviously, I have robots on the computers that help me in the air, you know, to edit it eventually because I can't sort it out otherwise. Um, but while I'm writing, I don't want anything saying unknown word, unknown word. Well, just go away. I'll sort out the unknown word in about three days. But right now, whatever this blah, blah, blah that I've written, it'll be fine. But uh, yeah, and I think we all have our challenges. What makes you feel that you're more creative outside? Jane, oh, well, what, what, what do you think is it is? Do you think it's because you're not in the house thinking, let's get the ironing done or something? <laughs> or, do you, or do you think, I don't iron either. No. <laughs> Never buy clothes that need iron. I tell you what it is, is that I was brought up by the sea and I'm used to being near water. And it's been proved, actually, that the sound of the sea actually re- releases something called a theta wave in your brain, ah. which which is connected with creativity and and a sort of a, a very sort of serene sort of state of mind. Yeah. Um, and it's completely subliminal. You know, I'm not sitting there waiting for the theta wave to, ca- to kick in or anything like that. I'm not a very new agey sort of person when it comes to this sort of thing. But I do find that that sense of space um, and that white noise that comes with the sea yeah. actually does allow my imagination to roam in a way that probably yeah. it would ever in the house. And as you say, you're trammelled by all the things that you see around you. And, you just, and also, you know, you know how, well, writers are always so easily distracted and you'll go, the kitchen floor's filthy at the moment. I really must clean that. And then I don't have to think about this difficult problem in, in Chapter 4. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah, it's, it's very easy to... To get, I find um, my husband retired about two years ago, and um, and I had to kind of get used to having him around. And uh, my, he, he's absolutely lovely. He's, he's the most lovely man. But we had to find a new thing mm. because he would come in and say, "Oh, cup of tea," you know, or "Can I cut this cake?" Or "Are you saving it for something?" Or whatever. But the minute somebody's come in and said something to me, I can't explain, but it's gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. that that moment of just yeah. being there with the words and the creativity and that you're in that world that you're creating. And then if somebody, somebody's just come in and said, or oh, tell you who's just rang, and I'm just like... No, don't. Don't, don't. <laughs> but he has learned now that if I shut my door, 
you know yeah. and, and I used to say you can hear me in there typing please leave me alone <laughs> you know? but it just sounds like you know you feel you like you're being system out on your door <laughs> oh yes I did I had a big letter big thing then. <laughs> a triangle like a road sign that it said grumpy writer enter at own risk <laughs> so you know we've got there now two years on he just leaves me gets gets on with it you know and um but, yeah yes, I think I, it's difficult I, I think writing outside is also a form of isolation yes so yes exactly I, I am fine making my own little space out there to inhabit yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. And so the people on the allotment, they don't come and go, oh, you know. Not about allotment, no. no. It's um, not a council allotment or anything like that. It's privately owned. It's long and it's right by the sea. Yeah. And I have a little space at one end and I hardly ever see anybody else at all. Perfect. But, yeah. So it's like. <laughs> yeah I could never write in like people write in cafes and things I've got a friend she goes down the cafe right oh, I couldn't I've been too busy watching all the people for a start yeah. you know my yeah. my dyslexic brains is all over anyway I've got to really get yeah. it, get it tie, tied down to do anything so it is it is great fun ah oh, happy days um uh so you're traditionally published so your book covers probably just come into being but I do and they all look lovely but I do particularly like this book cover that you've had done for your latest piece of work the black crescent um with all those it, it works on two levels because you look at it and you go yes i can see that that's you know the, with the, the lettering and those things but when you look at it it's got all those little details all these nice little pictures within it which i as an artist i really like that did you have a lot of say in that Jane, yes, or, or did you yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, we we talked about it beforehand. The head of Zeus are really, I find them great to work with. They do do terrific covers. Um, First drafts are not usually what you want, but that gives you something to talk about. And uh, and I I said, you know, yes, it's beautiful and decorative, but let's put some little Easter eggs in there for for readers to find. You know, so when you, you look at the cover, you'll find, you know, if you if you look really hard, you'll find a gun in there. <laughs> yeah. um, I just wanted to make sure that there were clues there as to the sort of book this was, that it's not just uh, a pretty decorative book. It's, it, you know, it's got some substance to it. It's, it's, it that's my violence warning. <laughs> you know, yeah. there, there are some quite violent scenes, obviously, because this is a violent insurrection and uprising. But there's also funny stuff and there's also cats. So cats, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a cat quite prominently on, on the book. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's good because I think sometimes the book covers they become a bit too a bit too generic, a bit too this is the genre, blah, 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 you've got to have this. And and I think it's nice to have a bit of art on there. And although they say, oh, we know the new reader is looking at your cover, they don't know anything about your story. So you don't need to put things about your story on the cover. You just need to have the genre, genre, genre. Well, actually, well, let's have a bit of both, you know, because yeah. because yeah. also I think if somebody's got your hardback or your paperback in their hand and they've read their book, read the book, when they look back at that cover, they understand it more. And I think that gives another depth of of something for the reader. And I think that's quite nice. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing worse than as a reader having read a book and then looking at the cover and going, well, that's just completely unrepresentative. Of the yes. book that yeah. And I've yeah. had a few in my time, you know, I wrote a, a novel called Pillars of Light, which was, uh, you know, the story of, of the Third Crusade. <laughs> and they put a woman in a wispy dress on it. <laughs> I was just like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly full of battle scenes and gore and and you know 
and rail politic and you know i've got a woman in a wispy dress what is this you know, women like reading battle scenes you know it's not you don't have to sort of try and trick them into reading these books yes exactly and i think if you if it's if it's more showing what that book is then you get the right reader to who's, who's going to get it and write you a good so review basically it took me a very long time to actually write uh, in my life and so I, I would say to anybody who's thinking of writing you know just just let it come because it will find its time you have to find your voice mm. you know I started in publishing when I was 24 um, and actually editing other people terrified me because they were so skilled and so brilliant but although I'd been writing before that I put it all away and mm. thought you know I'm just not up to this mm. and it yeah certain point I reached I reached a tipping point and went oh no I understand you know the nuts and bolts of, of how a story is put together and oh now I can make your story better if you do this and then when you start actually being quite a hands-on and useful editor to to other people you begin to realize that you might be able to do that for yourself mm. um, and that was that that was a real revelation to me so I, I thoroughly recommend that people just keep going really it is a craft and you have to learn it you know, yeah so I think I think the more you write the more you learn and I think every project that you do you get something back from it you know even if you write the project I mean I've got a couple of books that'll never see the light of day because but I learned a lot writing them and I think I think it's important to try and finish it actually oh crucial because you know people think oh lovely to be able to be a writer you need to sort of channel these words and it all flows onto the page you have yeah. to fight your fighting your subject matter and your characters all the time you're wrangling them into position you're wrestling with them um and you're wrestling with the words and trying to get the scene that you've got in your head you know down on paper in a way that you just can't seem to sort of connect the two and it's it's very very difficult stuff writing a book um but yeah you've got to finish it because unless you finish that first draft you've got nothing to work with and yeah. then you go back and you can really sort of hoe into it and, and realise what the shape should be, how the pacing works, who the characters are. So, you know, and a, a number of books that I've written where I've got to the end and just gone, well, that character is definitely not a Joseph. <laughs> he, he needs yeah. to have a different name. Yeah. You know, now he is. And, and oh, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's definitely not that either. And you go back in and you sort of change the people sometimes even. It's... Uh, they, I mean, always the secondary characters, never, never the, never the protagonist with whom you're travelling all the time. But it's, it's amazing how much more you understand about a book when you get to the end of it. Yeah, and I think you, you understand your characters a lot more. And, and, and I, th I know for myself, when I've come back to it, you know, you, you kind of look and you think, oh no, they wouldn't do this, they wouldn't do that. Now I know them. I know them now. When you go back to the beginning, you know them more. And then I sort of change things through, and then it has more of a they become more alive i think on yeah. the second the second go yeah definitely yeah fascinating stuff <laughs> ah right um so here's a funny question um what's your i mean you're obviously you know very successful and all that stuff but but what's your writing ambition jane johnson what would you say that if you got to some point and you thought ah oh, here we go is it is it the amount of books is it is it just the project that you're on or do, do you have something in your head that you think when I've got here, that's I'm done, or not done, but I've reached some point. I've climbed the mountain. There's an analogy for it. <laughs> I mean, as with climbing, there's never an end. <laughs> no, there's never an end. Yes, there's yeah. Shift your goalposts each time. 
Um, it's always about the book that you're writing at the moment, yeah. Know, because that's where your focus, your creative focus, is. Yeah. You can't ever plan your career as a as a writer. It's just not how life works. But in anything, you can't plan your life. No, um, no. And it, you're on a hiding to nothing if you try to. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't ever think about it in in those terms at all. It's very much about making each book the best it can possibly be. I mean, my books go through five, six drafts. You know, I they they get very, very thoroughly edited before they even get to the editor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is the best way. Yeah, and and I think you're right. It's the project that you're on is the one that you love, and you just hope that that one does oh, well. It has, to, it has to be, but you can't control how well it does. And so at that point, you just have to let it go. You know, I mean, as a self-publisher, you can do... You have, you know, you have to put so much work into into promoting your own material. Mm. And I do an awful lot of work for the publisher because yeah. in these of modern publishing, you know, nobody has any budget to put behind books anymore. No, um, it's, it's all down to the author. Anyway, it, Jane, as as we're going on, we're just we're just counting down. Here we go. This is the horrible thing, and I could talk to you definitely for another three hours. There's no doubt about it. Um, but Jane, where can people find you online? What's your website? Oh, that's www.janejohnsonbooks.com, and you'll find me on various things as at Jane Johnson B A K R. So brilliant. Yeah. Come and find me. I love interacting. Yeah, absolutely. It's been lovely to talk to you. And thank you for coming on the Words and Pictures podcast, Jane. (laughs) So really interesting to talk to Jane Johnson about all her bits and pieces and how she writes and what she does in her latest book. And of course, you know, as a podcaster of this little podcast, you know, I'm in a really privileged position because I get to talk to so many different people about their writing life and their writing experience. And of course, Jane Johnson is a, is a traditionally published author. And as you know, I'm an independently published author. And it's interesting to hear everybody's experiences about how they, you know, go about the writing process and, you know, how they manage their, you know, their whole writing life and, and their experiences of it. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So next week, my guest is Joel Flanagan Graneman. And he is a fantasy author and he's a um, an independently published author like myself. And he'll be talking about his his writing process and about his new book, which is part of his epic fantasy adventure series, Servants of the Sun and Moon. And um, now Joel's a returner because uh, he's been on the podcast before and he got in touch to say, you know, I've bought out my new thing. And I said, well, you know, come on, because we want to hear all about it. And he's a lovely guy. So do you know, come and have a listen next Monday um, to the Words and Pictures podcast. In the meantime, I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and um, I'll talk to you again next week. Until next time. Bye bye.